Hello, and welcome to the Data Wranglers, a conversation about the latest trends in data engineering, hot takes, and insights on the data industry. I'm your host, Joe Hellerstein. And I'm Jeffrey Hare. Welcome to the new year and another episode of the Data Wranglers. Joe, I was wondering, do you have any data-related New Year's resolutions? Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, absolutely. I have. Uh, all of us have good intentions around metadata, right? I'm going to write down everything that I do with all of my data and all of my data products and keep careful track of it so that in the future I'll know what happened. That's a New Year's resolution I assure you I will not keep. <laughs> How about you, man? Um, yeah, so I have a really geeky one, which is, you know, we run studies from time to time in my lab, and we often use linear mixed effects models for analysis. But in recent studies, we've actually moved more towards um, Bayesian analysis. And so one of my resolutions is to go even deeper, check my priors and be a better Bayesian. Our guest today is Bill Hostman. Bill is a research fellow with Dresner Advisory. His areas of focus include trends in analytic data infrastructures, ADI, if we use that acronym later, integrating and managing the information and information models used by business intelligence tools, BI, as you probably know. Uh, advanced analytics is part of his uh, purview, as well as CPM and PM applications. Bill has more than 20 years of product management experience at the intersection of business intelligence and data analytics infrastructure. This includes positions in product and general management at Gemstone Systems, Informix, and Informatica. He spent 14 years as a research analyst at Gartner, including several years as a VP and distinguished analyst for BI Analytics. Welcome to the podcast, Bill. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Joe. Bill, as an analyst, you, know, you talk to a number of companies across the data industry every day. As we look to the year ahead, what are some of the key trends you expect? Well, we also not only talk to a lot of clients, but we also do a very massive uh, survey. Uh, we do a, a, a very large cross-sectional survey from around the globe uh, of, uh, of almost a thousand uh, respondents that are specialists in the BI and analytics space from all different functions inside the organization. So we get a really nice mix. We get a look at sort of the you know, the qualitative and the, and the dialogue, and then also the quantitative in the survey. So we get to get some pretty interesting perspectives. Um, and we, we're rolling together some of the trends for, you know, the next year and what are we seeing. And we, we look at all of our data on a year-by-year -year basis so we can actually start to see some interesting, you know, inflection points, changes, increases, and declines. Uh, I think probably the, the 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 biggest sort of blinking red light for me is is the fragmentation issue that we're seeing right now in both the tools from the consumption side as well as in the uh, analytic data infrastructure side. Uh, something I've noticed in the last twenty years is there seems to be a a pendulum that goes on in the marketplace. Uh, we yeah. go from the tools, you know, people start using tools and they get really interested in it. And then we get all kinds of people that, you know, go into new users, uh, more users on the tools. I mean, we make it easier to visualize the data, query the data. But that swings the, back over to the data infrastructure because you get more users, new users. And the data infrastructure, you know, can't handle that, that those use cases. Uh, and so we are seeing right now that pendulum swinging back again. You know, we've, we've seen a lot of growth in terms of the consumption side of things. But on the infrastructure side, what we're seeing is 
a ton of a ton of fragmentation. You know, we're seeing more user adoption, but we're also seeing a tremendous amount of fragmentation of the uh, the data infrastructure, both the choices and the deployment of it, and that's causing a lot of other issues as well. Wow, it's a lot to uh, take in, Bill, already on this fragmentation thing. It is fascinating. Um, this pendulum you describe, I want to just spend a little time on that because. In my mind, I, I think of this in two different ways, and, and maybe they're both playing. One is just the pendulum of um, uh, diversity to, to standardization that happens in technology. You know, um, uh, it seems to happen periodically. Certainly, when I look at machine learning ops right now, there's like a billion different products that do tiny little things because it's early, and everyone expects it'll consolidate. But in data engineering and the kinds of things you're talking about, this is a 40-year-old exercise in, in enterprises. Um, and yet it still seems that, you know, for a period we all consolidate on a, a small number of vendors and then something changes and things blow up and there's a million opportunities and you get all these startups and then it consolidates again. So that's one form of consolidation. You talked about a second one, I think, of this pendulum swinging between the use cases and infrastructure. So when I think about the fragmentation you're describing today, how much of it do you think is due to the natural kind of... Um, shifts in the industry that cause opportunities for startups, that kind of pendulum swing between consolidation and, and fragmentation. How much of it do you think is it's time for infrastructure to react to new use cases? On your last statement, I think that's exactly the case right now is the technology has to catch up. And, and that, you know, that it, it's funny, we, 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 we sort of get a stable state of, of being able to, uh, you know, both do consolidation, we get data integration, data engineering, you know, we get sort of a technology uh, world developing there. And uh, it, it always seems to fall behind. It, and, and, you know, it, it, we kind of stabilize, people get satisfied with what they're doing. And then, and then it doesn't keep up. We get more users, new users, you know, new capabilities on the, on the use case side. Uh, and, and right now it's in a catch-up phase. We're in a very big catch-up phase. We don't have enough skills and talent and technology. And so you're seeing an emergence of, of sort of this intersection between the operational data infrastructure and the analytic data infrastructure, mm. you know, which, which really has to be addressed. And, you know, some organizations are calling it data fabric, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very, very complex. And I think it's going to be a very emergent set of, of technologies and capabilities that we're going to see evolve over the next two or three years. Got it. Uh, we talk a lot, uh, Jeff and I, about um, satisfying users who are less technical. And so part of this, I guess you're alluding to, is having folks in who traditionally would be like just BI users and consumers uh, going further upstream. Is that fair? Yeah, that is that is true. Uh, and the, the the problem that we're seeing that regardless of the the user skill level is uh, over fifty percent of the 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 uh, users in the organizations that we survey are having difficulty very difficult or impossible access to the content that they need to do their analysis. So as we're adding more and more users. 50% are saying, hey, I've got difficulty in doing this. So a lot of them are starting to step into that role themselves. You know, they're starting to learn that capability themselves just out of, you know, pure survival. They have to. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's a tension that I see in the marketplace right now is the fragmentation and the dissatisfaction at being able to access the information that they need. And I think it's going to create a very interesting dynamic. I think a lot of those people are going to start to go downstream and take a look at it and say, what's going on 
uh, with this data infrastructure and how do I get the information into a form uh, that I can use that my use that best suits my use case. Yeah, that makes enormous sense. I, I see the cloud, obviously. You mentioned it already. So let's let's go back to your comment about some things are in the cloud and some are on-prem. Of course, in the cloud, it's easy to spin up a, a database uh, and put some stuff in it. Um, it's even easier probably than it used to be to get a SQL server under your desk or what have you. Is that uh, part of this picture? Is that the end users now can stand up their own databases in the cloud? I think it's a big part of it. I mean, it's a, it's sort of like the Excel fragmentation. You know, we used to see uh, a lot of, you know, it's, it, everybody had Excel sheets and then the BI tools came and they standardized on some sort of central, you know, platform that we could actually get it to scale up. And I think that we're going to go through the same thing with the cloud. Yeah, you're right. You can, you know, run a cron job. You can get, some, you know, a MySQL database running anywhere. And, uh, uh, you know that has created a lot of the uh, the a lot of those are sandboxes though. You know I think when you start to get into some of the bigger uh, uh, use cases with the more users on there, I mean they're going to more specialized databases. I mean somebody says you know I've I've got as I said earlier, you know every department seems to have their own requirements for the analytic data infrastructure. And so you start to get specialization at, at the departmental level as opposed to an individual just firing up one, you know, uh, one database of their own up in the cloud someplace. Um, and that just, you know, creates a tremendous amount of, of that fragmentation. And again, you know, the difficulty in terms of being able to access that information, a lot of those users don't understand how to get at the information. You know, they don't have that, that, that skill in terms of being able to get it in a form that they can use it. So I, to me, there's a tremendous opportunity in the marketplace. So it sounds like bringing new people into the tent is one big driver here. I'm also curious about what are some of the specific use cases that you're seeing that are driving this, um, including perhaps, you know, movement and machine learning, for example. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, we still see the very traditional use cases of you know data exploration people want dashboards you know it's just it, it just continue i'm always amazed it just continues to create demand and you, you you get new departments wanting to have you know their own kind of a, a analysis and dashboard and reports and they stand up their own system again back to that sort of departmental level fragmentation so there's still a lot of bread and butter use cases the hierarchy of needs right that bread and butter thing you say it's like if you don't have food then you can't have happiness, right? And and so you know, it seems like the first thing you want to do is just get your eyeballs on your data, and you're saying people are having trouble with just that. Yeah, it's 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 sort of like the Maslow's hierarchy, right? You know, you got to kind of meet the bottom level. Uh, and and one of the things that we see is you know new use cases like uh, like you say uh, advanced analytics, uh, machine learning really are building on top of that foundation. Mm -hmm. And so the organizations that have a, a, a you know, pretty established uh, you know, and literate set of users, uh, they can go up, they, they are, they're much more likely to go up that pyramid into you know, some of the advanced technologies, embedded analytics, machine learning. They're much more likely uh, to adopt those technologies. Uh, but but you've got to get that you've got to get that I think that Maslow's that that lowest level really well understood and that people have confidence in the data quality you know the quality of the mm -hmm. data that they look that they're going to apply to some of these these models yeah I'm curious if these you know bread and butter use cases um, 
are creating demands for data in infrastructure that you haven't seen before. So, for example, if you have more people wanting to do you know, exploratory analytics with visualization tools, is that changing something about the workloads or is machine learning needs changing the workloads that are exerting um, pressures for the need for, for more innovation at the infrastructure level? Totally. Absolutely correct. We, in fact, look at uh, sort of the marriage between the use cases. So we look at the, you know, dashboards, we look at discovery, we look at uh, uh, data science and machine learning, and then we look at embedded use cases. And the things that we see is, you know, there's different workflows associated with that. There's different ways to integrate the data. Um, and, and they place different kinds of demands. When you've got somebody that's doing machine learning, I mean, they're, they're, they're not only managing the data, they're managing the models as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you, you know, you're managing a lot of different models and you're iterating through those things at a very, very high speed. Uh, and that creates a, you know, it's a very different kind of an issue than somebody who's got just a data quality problem at the, at the dashboard and the, uh, the, the scorecard. Uh, level so yeah that 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 use case fragmentation is driving is another driver on the analytic data infrastructure fragmentation as well and the workflows associated with it so this has got to be a nightmare for a chief data officer or a chief information officer what are you hearing from those folks well it, it is a nightmare it's it's job security <laughs> um, but one of the things that we see is that organizations that have chief data officers and chief analytics officers are much more likely to take on things like machine learning, some of the more advanced techniques. They're, they're the ones that are really driving it inside of organizations. Uh, and we're also seeing that the organizations that do have chief data officers and, and chief analytic officers um, are, are, are more successful overall. So there's, there's clearly a correlation there. And I, I you know, I, it's a role, the, those roles are, I mean, they make total sense to me because when I look at the world of the operational data infrastructure and I look at the world of the analytic data infrastructure, and then I look at this world of this, what, what we're calling the data fabric, you know, this sort of intersection between those two things, you know, we kind of see the chief operating officer side on the ODI, you know, side of the world. We see the chief analytics officer over here on the use case. And then we see the chief data officer looking at the, the data fabric, you know, the thing that's really marrying those two things together, think, you know, worried about things like metadata. You know, the, how, do I, how do I integrate this data? Uh, how do I govern this data? How do I secure this data? How do I get it into the most use cases? How do I get my infrastructure to scale up to the most use cases? You know, and then I see the CIO looking at the technology that underpins all that stuff and managing, you know, sort of the underlying technology. So I see, you know, sort of a, a, an evolving set of roles uh, and the chief analytics officer and the chief data officers are, are clearly there. But a lot of organizations don't have it. I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it's 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 actually a small number. It's growing. But when I look at the relationship between the ability to take on new use cases uh, and just their overall success with BI analytics, self-reported success, um, it, it, it makes total sense. You know, you need a leader that can kind of drive these initiatives, you know, like fragmentation. You know, somebody can take a look at it and go, oh, yeah, you know, we need a leader. There aren't a lot of spokesmen that, that can do that inside an organization. Somebody really needs to step up. So I think, you know, again, the, the success that we're seeing inside those organizations and the, uh, uh, the uh, adoption of, of new technologies 
uh, is definitely correlated to those roles. And I would I highly recommend, you know, that the, those are important roles inside of the business organization, not the technology organization, but in the business organization. I think that's so interesting. We don't talk about that probably enough on this podcast, at least not yet. We've been really focused on technology, but obviously the operational human business processes uh, have an enormous role to play and probably drive that fragmentation down by fiat, right? It's sort of where that happens. They're, they're the decision makers who do that. So, but let me ask you on the tech side, just since there are vendors out there who claim that technology might solve this problem too, or ameliorate it. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the technology that's out there. You know, one of the issues is I got 18 different databases and I need to um, unify them. So federated database, right? Give me one query uh, interface in front of all those databases. To what degree do you see that solving customer problems? It's it, you know it's it's no different than it has been forever. It's it, there's the two choices: I can either federate it or I can integrate it. You know, I I just I I am going to take and I'm going to move it into one single repository and solve the problem that way, or I'm going to and I, I you know I still see those choices. I I think right now we're in the case where a lot of people are starting to move it into. Uh, the consolidation, you know, they're just saying, we're going to go to a single repository. And that's kind of another one of those pendulums. You know, you, you see yeah. the, the, you know, it, it's, uh, oh, yeah, we're going to federate it. And then the federation technology kind of grows and emerges. Federation is a tough technology, though. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, you can either, uh, it, it goes really, really well or it goes really, really bad, <laughs> badly. You know, it's one of those things, like it can't scale. You know, it can't match the use case very well. Uh, people have difficulty. It doesn't keep up with the changes of the infrastructure and the use cases. Uh, and so, you know, you see this pendulum uh, swinging back and forth. And right now it seems like people are trying to solve the problem of fragmentation by let's at least try and get onto one single common, you know, some kind of scalable, uh, 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 you know, data infrastructure. And that seems to be that seems to be the case that I'm seeing uh, today. But I think it's I think it's going to, you know, that's kind of the, the current paradigm. But as we look at the complexity of the ODI and the ADI intersection, we're going to see a whole lot of new technologies. I mean, some stuff, stuff you know, the, the data catalog, the master data management, the data governance. I mean, all that stuff has to be addressed. And, you know, just sticking it all into one database kind of solves it. You know, federation kind of solves it, ish. but it doesn't ish. It's ish. It's, <laughs> it's ish at best, but it doesn't really address the issue, which is, you know, we just have this big Gordian knot in the middle here. Okay. Well, I was going to just uh, fill in a little bit of uh, ancient history here because I think you and I lived some of this in a previous generation or previous swing of the pendulum. Back when you were at uh, uh, Informatica, I believe, which was the leading ETL consolidation of data vendor. Um, I was involved in a startup called Cohera that was a data federation platform. And what Cohera was good at was taking a query through a single SQL connection and then pushing pieces of it to many databases and trying to efficiently getting the answers. But what in the late 90s we didn't see that Informatica saw very clearly is the query processing isn't the core problem. That's an efficiency of execution issue. It's a computation issue. The core problem is this what data means what and how do I put it together, right? It's the data integration problem. And whether you solve it with ETL or ELT or you solve it through mappings between databases that are live turned into SQL, like somebody's got to write all that conversion logic and, and think it through. 
Um, and, and this, you know, what I learned was like focusing on the engine, as you say, yeah, maybe one day you're consolidating and the next day you're using a federated engine. It's not about the engine, right? It's about this Gordian knot of transforming data into the right form for use, right? Yeah. And, and, and getting into a, you know, not just the form of use, but also the quality of use. Mm. You know, the, the, the issue of data quality, uh, the two biggest issues that we're seeing from users you know, as a consequence of this fragmentation is data integration and data quality. And uh, so, you know, you can push things around all over the place. You know, you're just kind of polishing. Uh, you're just kind of a uh, uh, bad analogy, but you're, you're not really fixing the core problem. And it's, it's um, again, back to the roles. It more, it's more of a people and process uh, where, where you're focusing on things like data literacy. You know, you're educating folks so they understand not just how to use the tools, but what, the, what things like lineage, you know, where did this come from? Uh, what, how, did it, how did it get here? What were the transformations that occurred? Uh, where did this model come from? You know, is this the right model? Uh, and uh, so, uh, yeah, those are, those are, you know, those are classic problems. But they're really popping their head up more now than ever because of the fragmentation on the user and use cases side, uh, as well as the you know specialization of the analytic data infrastructures and the availability and the ease of being able to spin up uh, a data infrastructure uh, is just making these these sort of soft issues uh, really come back to the uh, to the fore. It's not a competency a lot of organizations have. And I think that's the why that we have a need for a role for leadership in, in, in the chief data officer and chief analytics officer. So I think I hear echoes of Joe's um, New Year's resolution in terms of uh, metadata management and discipline. So all of these um, issues that you're bringing up. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, I brought that up because, of course, if you expect people to solve those problems by writing everything down really carefully, um, <laughs> you're not really addressing the way people work, right? You, you know, no one's going to fulfill that New Year's resolution. The tools need to help uh, somewhere, um, but they're not going to be magic, right? I use this analogy, uh, and I, I like this analogy, in, you know, in Chicago when they had the, the, the big fire in Chicago, right? I, I compare, I like to think about, you know, sort of, architecture to building architecture, you know, technology architecture to building architecture. And at the time, uh, they were building uh, with brick. And there's a, a famous building in Chicago, I think it's called the Modoc building. And uh, it was the tallest building at the time, you know, Chicago really wanted to be the premier architecture building. And uh, I went and took a look at it. It's very interesting. The foundation is like eight feet thick because for every you know story you had you had to make the foundation bigger and bigger and the windows are inset it's like the great pyramids right the base has to be really big. yeah 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 it's like the great pyramids and the windows are inset on the ground floor like you know four feet in there and it's very dark uh <laughs> and and it, you know it was it, it was somebody said okay look this isn't working we have to have new building materials and it was right about at the beginning of the, the rise of steel and elevators. And all of a sudden, the whole, you know, the whole model, the whole architecture changed because of these two very, very fundamental shifts in the way that they built buildings. And then you can look in Chicago and you can see, you know, just a tremendous uh, breakthrough in terms of architecture. And I think we're in that same spot right now. I think we've been building 
you know, with bricks and we've got these foundations and they're really not functional and people don't want to walk up, you know, 12 stories on stairs anymore. And so we, <laughs> I mean, that's where we are in sort of the data world is we're, you know, we're, we've got to really think about new tools, new architectures, uh, and, and new building materials. You know, we have to really think about the building materials. And I think we're just kind of rebuilding taller with bricks. And I think we have to really rethink it. Wow. That resonates a lot for me. Um, and I do see some of the products that are actually getting quite a bit of adoption right now look a lot to me like Informatica in the cloud, which has this echo you're describing of like, well, that's an old building material. It's it's just being uh, deployed somewhere else. Um, and then there's other products that seem to be taking advantage of advances in technology, computer science that are using AI or using, you know, uh, new new techniques for auto scaling or what have you, right, to, to take advantage of what we know over the last 20 years, what we've learned. I want to go back to something you said that your users uh, in your survey quoted earlier, because it's almost, I'm surprised. One of the things you said made perfect sense, which is that price is not the primary issue for folks. Because um, the business problems are more expensive than than paying for the the software, and and that makes that makes sense to me. Also, the the opportunity to use data to generate value is probably bigger than the cost. But the other thing you said is that their interest in standardizing currently is is low, and that that one is surprising. So maybe talk more about that. I mean, clearly people want outcomes and they'll pay for it. Why don't they want to standardize? I think the. The budgets have been pushed down to more of a departmental level. You know, we've got the manufacturing folks, we've got the sales folks, we've got the finance folks, and they've got their own budgets. And, you know, they get to do what they want. And they have different priorities and different requirements. So that's the connection. The connection is ample funding. It makes people price insensitive, but it also makes them autonomous. They, they have the cash to go try to solve their own personal problems and not align with some corporate IT initiative. Yeah, it makes it just tremendously difficult for corporate IT. But I think that, again, that's what the role of people like the chief data officer and the chief analytics officer is educate folks. You know, it's like, okay, you know, we're, we're just pushing this snake under the carpet someplace else uh, by doing this. And, you know, we're not solving the system-wide issue, which is we're spending a lot of money on this infrastructure and 50% of the folks can't get out the information in, a, in the form and quality that they want to, to get it in. You know, to me, if I was a CEO, I'd say, okay, time out. Let's, let's step back and, and look at this thing at a strategic level as opposed to a tactical issue, a tactical level. So there's another trend, actually. This is fascinating. Just to, pardon me for interrupting, but you triggered something in my brain. We talk a lot in the computing sort of technology space on campus and when I talk to my visionary Silicon Valley friends about how specialization is the future of computing. You know, end of Moore's law, we're not all going to be buying Intel chips, there'll be special chips for different things. In the cloud, uh, a cloud vendor gets enough inbound uh, business that they can afford to have special mini clouds because they have enough customers that are quote unquote special that they actually get some amortization of the specialization, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's these sort of market and technology momentum around the infrastructure and then moving up stack the services, it, you can afford to specialize to the customer need, to the special need. But what I'm hearing you say, which I hadn't heard really articulated before, is eventually this creates too much IT nightmare because you need to get the use cases and the data centralized. So you may have a, a, a tool that's really good for one department, but that might cause a lot of problems downstream for sort of corporate management, governance, uh, integration. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it, it does. I mean, it, it just does. And uh, uh, that's the hard problem. So, you know, we, you've got a lot of folks telling you, uh, and there's a lot of different emergent cases. I mean, you know, we've got application vendors who say, hey, let's just move it all into the applications. You know, we've got the we've got the data infrastructure folks who say, let's move it all into, you know, one single repository. You've got the, you know, sort of the data fabric folks who say, no, 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 you know, we've got to, you've got to have spaghetti. You know, we've got to be able to wire this stuff together. And so, you know, you, it, it's, it's, there isn't any kind of blueprint. There's no easy blueprint for this stuff. And as you say, you know, individualization is in, is in, is driving a lot of this. And I think a lot of that is in terms of data literacy. How do we make people more literate as an individual, not as an IT department? How do we make them more literate so that they can customize, they can personalize it, and they've got the tools and they've got the architecture that they can do that with, you know, they can do that. I think this is a good challenge uh, for Joe and I as educators in the university to help make that that literacy uh, more widespread. One of the issues here is that I don't teach people in the manufacturing department. Um, having said that, data science and data engineering courses that are more general purpose are becoming kind of the calculus classes, right, uh, on campuses. We're seeing that at Berkeley, but it's, it's, it's hard to educate this breadth of, of uh, users. Yeah. It, it's also, you know, it depends on the size of the organization because uh, the, the, the data integration problems vary and, the, you know, just the data problems vary depending on the size of the organization. But when you get into a large organization, I mean, they are very, very significant and they spend a lot of money trying to solve these things. But the organizations themselves have to start to take that role in terms of educating, providing that data literacy, talking about governance, talking about why it's a business impact. Uh, you know, when you, you, you go out and spend, you know, a ton of money on this technology and people are saying, I got a problem. I can't get at it. You know, I don't know how to use it. The, the quality of the data is not in a form uh, that I, I can make any you know, sense out of or I can't use it because I have no idea where it came from. You know, who touched it last? You know, we all have those. We've all seen that. But I, we really have to get smarter about it. And again, I, I think we have to change our our. The, fundament, the fundamentals have to change. We've got to get the, the tools, especially at that data fabric level, have to evolve to be much more consumable at the user level. Uh, and so that data literacy includes not just the analysis, but also the data fabric part of it. How to make spaghetti. And Bill, as you know, we can talk data all day, but on the podcast, we also like to ask about something unexpected that people might not know about you. Now, do you have a go-to fun fact, for example, you like to share at parties? Share at parties. Um, I think the fun fact I would say is uh, I play bluegrass fiddle. I play old time and bluegrass fiddle. Uh, I find it very grounding. Uh, I play a 19, me, an 1880s fiddle. I found it very grounding to, you know, uh, play old music when problems that we have today, you know, didn't even exist and play on an instrument that was probably made by some kid in Germany in the 1880s. And, you know, it's still working and it's, it's been played by a whole bunch of other people uh, besides me. Uh, and I like getting together with other uh, bluegrass and old-time uh, musicians and, uh, yeah, playing together and performing. We haven't been able to perform very much, uh, uh, but 
that's a fun fact. Oh, that's lovely. I'm actually a, 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 a small time uh, bluegrass fan myself. And then we also have another uh, musician in our midst here with uh, Professor Hellerstein, um, also uh, somewhat accomplished uh, jazz musician himself. Oh, cool. Bill, I know in today's conversation, we really only got to touch the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of uh, what you've been reviewing and analyzing. Um, where can folks go to learn more? DresserAdvisory.com. Uh, we have a list of all of our research products on there and even our conferences. And we invite everybody to participate in our conferences and to take our survey. A lot of our research is based on uh, our, our outreach to the, the user community. And we get a tremendous amount of insight and we share that back. So if you take our survey, you get to have the results of that survey when we publish it back. So you get you know, to share the insights of your you know, thousand plus peers as well. So hopefully we'll get people to participate, but DresdenerAdvisory.com. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Bill, this has been so much fun. Thanks for joining us. It's been great to have you on the podcast. Again, we've been talking to Bill Hostman of Dresner Advisory about all things data infrastructure and how it gets used in the real world by the organizations that he gets to talk to. If you have a question or a topic that you'd like us to tackle, reach out to us at DataWranglers at Trifacta.com. As always, make sure to review and subscribe to The Data Wranglers wherever you find your podcasts. The Data Wranglers podcast is brought to you by Trifecta, the data engineering cloud. On behalf of Joe Hallerstein and the whole team, thanks for listening. I'm Jeff Hare. See you next time.